Welcome to the podcast. I'm Shira Schoenberg. The Massachusetts Senate on Thursday passed a bill aimed at controlling the cost of prescription drugs. Here with me today to talk about prescription drug pricing is the Senate Chair of the Joint Committee on Healthcare Financing, Cindy Friedman. Thank you so much for joining me. Senator Friedman, big picture, why does the state need to focus on controlling prescription drug costs? Well, Shira, first of all, thanks for having me. And um, I don't think it's any surprise to anyone that um, healthcare costs and the cost of healthcare um, and insurance is one of the major issues that people cite um, of concern. And um, the legislature and, and Massachusetts has done a good job in taking initial steps to rein in the cost of healthcare. But one of the areas that we haven't actually addressed um, in a way that we've done with providers and insurers is the prescription drug industry, including pharmaceutical manufacturers and uh, pharmacy benefit managers. And so if we're really gonna have a complete picture of what affects healthcare costs, and um, we are committed, which we are, to um, our cost growth benchmarks, we have to look at, at pharmaceuticals and pharmacy benefit managers as part of that picture. So according to CHIA, which is the Center's Center for Health Information and Analysis, in 2019, which is the last data they have available, pharmacy spending totaled $10.7 billion, which was an increase of 7.2% from the prior year. But the drug companies point out that with the rebates they provide, pharmacy spending was up just about 3%, which is well within the range of what the state considers acceptable cost growth. So is total drug spending actually the problem? Is the problem more about the cost of a few specific drugs? Well, I think it's interesting because one of the things one of the um, pieces of information that it's been hardest to get since I've been uh, doing this is how do pharmaceuticals get costed? What, what, are, what is the cost? What goes into those costs? So for starters, I hear what the pharmaceutical industry is saying, but while we require insurers and, and hospitals and providers to show us what their costs are and how those how money is spent, we don't require that of the pharmaceutical companies. So we have no idea, right? I mean, they're saying the rebates, the um, you know, when you take rebates out. Well, how do we know that? What are the rebates? What happens to the rebates? Why are there rebates? Show us what the cost of the of the um, true cost of the medication is. And so we can understand maybe they're right. Maybe pharmaceuticals aren't going up, although I would argue that fairly strongly, but that's fine. Then come and be part of the process and show us how this is all happening. And the way we do that in, the, in this bill is we require them to be part of the analysis that Chia does on, on healthcare costs. So my, that's my response to them is, okay, fine, if that's not, if that's not true, then show us, be part of the process, give us the information. And given the era that we're living in, I don't think anyone would argue that the pharmaceutical companies play a really vital role in society and developing new drugs. Is there a danger that focusing on controlling drug costs and drug prices 
could stifle the development of innovative new drugs? What would I say in response to that to people is look, we're, we're we're all for innovation. I absolutely believe in the um, in the power of innovation. I believe in you know capitalism. I want people to be successful in what they do, and a part of that is you know revenue and and um, and I think that that's important. I have no desire to um, to stifle that, but. It's part of a big system. And on the other end of that system is people that just absolutely cannot afford the cost of their insurance. And a lot of that has to do with their prescriptions. And so there is a balance here that we're trying to reach. And I maintain there is a lot in this system that we can look at, that we can reduce costs, and everybody will still make a really good profit, we'll still have innovation, and we will have a better mechanism for getting people the healthcare that they need when they need it. And I wanna point out something else. I believe the pharmaceutical companies provide um, a really critical role in innovation, but let's not forget, so does our government and so do our universities. And much of that innovation, a lot of that innovation comes from those sectors. So it's a joint proposition, right? There are a lot of stakeholders in that innovation. And we, we recognize that and we need to recognize it. And we need to say to the pharmaceutical companies, we're all for you, but you've got to come to the table and be part of this conversation. And we've got to get some of these costs down. Why does insulin cost the way it, as much as it does? Why do chronic um, drug or medication for chronic illnesses, why do they continue to go up when they've been around for so long? What's going on? Tell us what's going on. Help us understand this. Be part of the process. That's what we need right now. And so as long as you're going to sit, stand there and tell me, well, it's not really us. We can't do anything about it and, you know, point your fingers to somebody else and at the same time, not sit down and actually engage in a real conversation and give us actual real data to people like Chia who will protect it and keep it confidential. As long as you're not willing to do that, my antenna go up and I say, so what's the problem here? Are we trying to hide something? So let's talk more about insulin. I know you mentioned that. Um, and this issue of price increases in insulin has gotten a lot of attention. Um, because we know someone with diabetes needs to take insulin on a daily basis in order to live. And the price of insulin has been increasing, even though it's not a new drug. What would your bill, the PACDEC, do to address the cost of insulin? It would provide immediate relief to, to consumers to, and to the insured. It, it uh, says that you can't have a copay a greater than $25 for insulin um, as part of your insurance benefit. And it can't go against your, they can't use your um, deductible or coinsurance or any other mechanism um, to increase that cost for you. And it would be permanent. So it's $25 for a 30 day supply of insulin. Do any other states do this? Yeah, there's a number of states. I think we're up to 21, which somehow control the cost of insulin. We have 
if this were to go through, we'd have one of the lowest caps. Um, they range anywhere from $25 to $100. $100 is a lot of money um, for many people, $100 a month. That's quite, um, you know, th that's quite a dig into somebody's pocket for something that they can't live without. We've set ours at $25, and I think um, that would put us well in the lowest range of other states. And why focus on capping what insurance can charge consumers rather than getting to the root of the problem, which is the high price charged by drug companies? It's a really good question, and we struggled with it, um, actually, in this bill of trying to um, you know, understand what, what's it, what is at the core of those costs. And um, we looked at a lot of different ways to address that because you're right. You know, the, the the bottom line is this is the pharmaceutical company setting these prices. So I think we have more work to do in terms of really understanding these costs and how the costs get incurred throughout the the pipeline, which is what we, which is also part of this bill. Having said that, you know, the insurers contract with the pharmacy benefit managers and they're, you know, they are paying these people. So they have some um, interest and some control into what uh, benefit managers on the insurer's behalf uh, do in terms of, um, of setting prices. So while I understand that we, we have work to do at the, at the pharmaceutical manufacturer level, the insurers still play a role in this. So um, it's a start. So the PACT Act also aims to help Massachusetts identify and regulate specific drugs where the price makes them affordable. Tell us more about what exactly it does and what that process will look like. So we give a, a authority in this bill to HPC to look at a certain, certain classes of drugs, uh, um, brand names drugs that are cost over $50,000 and um, certain other drugs that have, um, that have increases of a certain percentage over, over time. And, that, and also that, um, are, that are believed and are um, identified as chronic illness medications. And we give HPC the authority to, um, to investigate those costs and see if the value and the costs um, the value of the drug and the cost of the drug are in, in line with each other. And um, if they are, um, then HPC will work with all different kinds of stakeholders to um, come up possibly come up with a way that we can make sure that those drugs remain accessible to people. And you know, we, we want the, we want the um, pharmaceutical industry or the manufacturers to be part of that. But, and what we're saying is though, no, you know, we understand why this drug costs as much as it does. Um, but if they don't, if we can't reconcile the cost and the value of those drugs, then HPC is, um, will enter into an, an access and affordability plan with the pharmaceutical um, manufacturers, just like we do in a PIP performance improvement process with the um, with an insurer or a provider. Um, and so we're, we're actually creating a level playing field with all of these parts of the industry. 
and um, and they will work with them to figure out a way to bring that cost down. And we require them to engage in that process. And if they don't, then um, HPC has a um, you know can hold a hearing, can listen to stakeholders, can investigate, can come up with recommendations that you know that they believe will address the uh, discrepancy between the cost and the value. So could the Health Policy Commission actually set drug prices in those instances? They can't set drug prices, but they can recommend drug prices. They can say, they can say we believe there should be an upper payment limit for this drug. Um, but um, they can't, they, they don't yet, or we don't give them the authority to, um, to actually set the price. You've mentioned this, but I just want to key on in on it for a minute. The Health Policy Commission today has a very strong role that it plays in regulating hospitals and insurers with an eye toward controlling healthcare costs. I know you said your bill provides this additional regulation to both the pharmaceutical companies and also these middlemen called pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs. And those are companies that negotiate between drug companies and insurers. So tell me more how you see the state's role in regulating both of these parts of the industry. In terms of the manufacturers, I think what, what we're really looking at is oversight and accountability. Okay, and I, so I think the, the role of the state is to make sure that they're looking at the complete, a complete picture of healthcare and healthcare costs. Um, I think it's really important that the state, I think the state's responsibility is look at not only the overall cost of the healthcare system, but the cost to the consumers. And, um, and to what's happening in the, to, to residents every day in terms of their premiums and their access to healthcare. Um, I think that's a role of the, the state. And then I think more and more, it's the role of the state to come up with measures and ways to, um, to control some of these costs based on real data and real information. And, um, and I think that's what we're trying to do with the pharmaceutical manufacturers. The PBMs are a different story to a certain extent. We don't even license pharmacy benefit managers. We don't regulate them. We don't license them. They basically have free reign in our state. And that is the absolute job of the, of the state, in my mind, to license and regulate that industry. Why? How does that industry add to the costs in the system? They, well, they're the, they're the quote middlemen, right? And so we have no idea how costs increase or decrease from the point of the manufacturer to the point of the, of the pharmacy counter, okay? Those middlemen, the pharmacy benefit managers, their job is to manage the the drug benefits for an insurer, right? They negotiate and then they negotiate with the manufacturers and they basically set the prices and they set the formularies. So what drug go, you know, there are formularies of medication, right? And there are different tiers of formularies. So if you're a tier one drug, you may pay a, a certain copay. If, if the pharmacy benefit manager puts um, that drug on a tier two, you pay more for that drug. Okay. So they're setting not only your, the prices, but the access to those drugs. And, um, that is a black hole. 
Okay, it, they, are, they negotiate with the insurers and they negotiate with the pharmaceutical companies, but we have no idea what's in those negotiations. We don't know how much a pharmacy benefit manager, um, when they negotiate a rebate, we don't know what that rebate is. We don't know how much of that rebate goes to the insurer. We don't know how much of that rebate the pharmacy benefit manager keeps. Um, we look at formularies of you know where drugs go on formularies. We see drugs go from one tier to another with no explanation of why and no medical reason why those drugs move from one uh, from one tier to another, causing an increase in cost to the consumer. All of this is a black hole, and. Um, we, we believe from the research and the data that we keep seeing that these PBMs, pharmacy benefit managers, are a huge, huge um, part of the increase in cost of pharmaceutical companies. We, uh, I'm sorry, of drugs. We also know that pharmacy benefit managers are now, you know, one of the biggest, one of the three biggest is CVS, right? Well, CVS has pharmacies. And they're also setting drug prices and they're also in the specialty drug business. So are they, are they steering, um, you know, all of the, all of us, all these residents to their pharmacies and their specialty, um, their specialty pharmacies? Are they doing that? How does that affect our independent pharmacists? What's, what is happening to the cost of drugs because they are becoming more and more centralized and more powerful, there are three pharmacy benefit managers companies that control over 70% of the business. We have no insight into that. All we know is that the prices keep going up. So if this bill passes, would more information about drug pricing become public or would that information go to the state agencies but not necessarily become publicly known? Some of it will become more, some of it can become public because it's public information, right? I mean, not all, not all information that goes to the, um, to Chia, for instance, um, uh, is proprietary information. It's just hard to get, right? So some of that will just become public, uh, will, will be made public, and hopefully it will be made public in a more um, user-friendly package so, we, so people can understand it. The proprietary pieces of it will stay proprietary, but they will be used by the Health Policy Commission, A, to get a really good sense of what cost is, and B, to know where to focus to bring those costs down. So it's very similar to you know, what we do today with, with um, providers and insurers. We get, they get proprietary information, they also get public information. And, um, and they use both of those to address the costs when they see costs rising. So you introduced an earlier version of this bill in the 2019-2020 legislative session. It passed the Senate, but it never passed the House. Do you think it has a better chance this year and why? I think the main reason it has a better chance is because after this was passed, COVID, um, we just got, we basically got whacked by COVID. And I think a lot of things, a lot of important things, uh, fell off the table because we just couldn't, we couldn't focus on them because we had a pandemic to deal with. Um, I think it has a, a good chance. Um, you know, when, when we negotiated the healthcare 
bill that we did at the end of uh, 2020. I think I don't know. I lose all my time, but we, the last healthcare bill that we did, we talked about you know this area, and um, I know that that there was acknowledgement in both the Senate and the House that these were issues that had to be tackled. So I'm I'm hopeful. That's all I can say. I mean, I don't have any information that they're going to do it, but I know there are certainly people from the House side that care a lot about this. And the House passed its own health care bill, which was focused on regulating hospital expansions. Do you think the Senate will take that up? And is there a chance that negotiations on the drug bill end up getting tied to the hospital expansion bill? So there's possibilities of anything, right? I, I applaud the House and the Speaker for the um, bill they passed. I think there's some, I, I think they they have flagged a very important issue. And um, I know that it is, again, part of the whole puzzle of reining in costs, healthcare costs. And so we'll, we will definitely take a look at it and, um, you know, I think give it due diligence and we'll see as we progress what, um, you know, how all these pieces fit together and how we can um, really make a difference in the cost of healthcare to people. I mean, that's my goal. And one final question. I know on a national level, President Biden has talked about lowering prescription drug costs. Do you see any federal action on the horizon that could then help Massachusetts consumers? There are a number of things that are in the works. I mean, there's an insulin piece in the works, I know. Um, there's several um, bills that are on the federal at the federal level to address this. I don't have a lot of faith right now. I think this is really hard. This is really hard to get consensus on. I, I'm, I believe that the states, it's, it's falling more and more on the states to address some of this. But I will tell you, if we don't have help at the federal level, we can't, there's only so much that we're gonna be able to do. And um, I would love to be pleasantly shocked that some major um, pieces of legislation came out of the federal government. And you can read more about these topics on commonwealthmagazine.org. Senator Cindy Friedman, Chair of the Joint Committee on Healthcare Financing, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Shira.